You know, if a dog whistle had the ability to think, but it, it didn't know what it was created for, it would spend the entirety of its life just thinking that it was a useless hunk of junk. Most likely. I mean, every time it made a noise, every time it tried to make its whistle sound, nobody would ever pay attention to it. Nobody would ever listen to it. It would spend a whole lot of time in, in envy of the other big shiny whistles. This, this whistle over here can bring an entire line of cars to a standstill. Um, that whistle over there can bring a whole sporting event to a close. It would spend most of its life thinking that it really wasn't meant to be heard, that it was meant to uh, stay on the sidelines and, and to never turn anybody's head. Until, as you can probably see where I'm going with this, the right party comes along. Comes bounding down the street, big fuzzy head, swaying, tongue, rubbing up against the sidewalk, nails click, 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 clicking. And then finally, when our whistle makes a noise, a head turns. I'd like to stop there and say good evening to everyone. I'd like to uh, thank you all for being here. It has been a, a wonderful day. A beautiful day to serve our Lord. And there's... There is no better way to spend a Sunday than worshiping God. And uh, I would like to take a, a moment to thank the elders for allowing us to, uh, allowing men to just come up here and present a lesson from God's word. It is, it is a great thing. And I would recommend that uh, if, if you're a man of the congregation, just do whatever you can. Because, and it is, it is nerve wracking. Boy, I'll tell you, it is nerve wracking. You know, an hour before I came to services, I had a uh, bloody nose just because of my nervousness, which is a terrible thing to happen when you're doing a lesson, because at any moment I could start bleeding out. I don't, I just, I don't know. I, I have no idea if I'm going to start doing so. Um, but, you know, I'm, just by being up here, I'm growing. And uh, any man, whenever you come up here, you just grow. And that's a, that's a wonderful thing. Whether I, whether I do good or whether I do terrible, it really it does not matter. Because I'm, I'm, I'm trying my best to praise God. And uh, I would recommend everybody to do that. Now, the reason why I made this illustration about the whistle is tonight we're going to be on the, the banks of the Jordan River. Um, seeing what God has to say to one of his leaders. So we are going to be looking at some commandments some expectations that God has for his leaders. And I just want to remind everyone that leadership isn't necessarily for the charismatic. It's not for the loud. It's not always for um, who you would think it would be for. I really truly believe, no matter what, what you may believe, no matter if you think that you're destined to never be heard or to stand on the sidelines, I really think that God is going to put each and every one of us in a position to, to help somebody in their spiritual journey in this life. And there's a, there's a degree of leadership that comes with that. And that is a scary thing. That can be a really frightening thing uh, for a lot of us. You think no matter... If, if that time hasn't come yet, it could be, like in the illustration, that the right party hasn't come along. And when that time comes, whether it be uh, doing a Bible study with someone, whether it be parenting, whether it be uh, it really anything, 
whether it be a conversation with someone who's a non-Christian that turns to more meaningful things, there's going to be eyes on you. There's going to be somebody watching you, somebody having expectations of you, and that can be a, a frightening thing. So tonight, I want to look and see what God has to say to one of his leaders and see if, if we can draw some strength from God's perfect advice. Turn with me to Joshua chapter 1. Chapter 1 of Joshua. In this section of text, the Israelites are on one side of the Jordan, preparing to uh, enter a conquest of the other side. The other side containing many nations, many kings, fortified cities, literal giants. A very daunting task from, from an earthly perspective. Now Joshua... Uh, was a very faithful man. He put his trust in God. He believed that God could do this conquest for them. Uh, Joshua was also an imperfect man. And, you know, just knowing how Satan works, I think maybe there was some, some doubts that sometimes Joshua wasn't overtaken them, uh, by them, but can sometimes knock on the door. And let's see what, what God has to say to him. Starting verse 2, uh, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Joshua is given his leadership opportunity here, his role. He is going to take God's people and lead them in this conquest. And in the next few verses, whenever we read them, I want you to think about and, and realize that there's a huge leadership point in these, in these verses, and that is knowledge of a result that can give you confidence, that you can hold on to. Uh, starting in verse 3. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you. As I said to Moses, from the wilderness in this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and to the great sea toward the going down of the sun, shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you, nor forsake you. God, in these few verses, gives Joshua the result of the conquest. Before even beginning, it was never a, a question of what the result was going to be. As long as God's people did what God said, it was already done. God said the, that every place that the sole of your foot will touch, I have already given you. All of this land is going to be your territory. No man is going to be able to stand against you. Joshua knew how this was going to end up. The Israelites knew how this was going to end up even before they went into the, the promised land. And they could take confidence in that. They, they already knew how this was all going to end. So what, what is a, a result that we can hold on to as Christians? What, what knowledge do we have that can give us confidence in every situation? Well, if you will, turn with me to Philippians. Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 20. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body, that it may be conformed to his glorious body according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. 
You know, I find myself holding leadership opportunities at arm's length a majority of the time because I am worried about the repercussions of this earthly realm. You know, we are not going to be given the result to every single opportunity that we're put into. We're not going to know how every Bible study is going to end up. We don't know how every um, anything is going to end up, how raising our kids is going to end up. We don't know how that is going to end. But we do know that for a, a baptized Christian leading a repentant life, doing their best to serve the Lord, your citizenship isn't in this world. Whatever happens in this earthly realm, you have a, a new body awaiting you, a perfect body, a body with Christ. Revelation 21 talks about a new Jerusalem that, that is going to come about, that every tear is going to be wiped from our eyes. And that, brethren, is something that we can take confidence in. In any situation, we know that we have perfection waiting for us. And that is a, it is a beautiful thing. So Joshua is given the command, cross the Jordan, is told how all of this is going to end. And then God proceeds to give Joshua five commands, which are really two commands repeated. Uh, back in Joshua chapter 1, starting in verse 6. Be strong and have good courage. For to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Commanded you, Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. I want to take a look at the, the latter part of verse 7 and in verse 8 first. Uh, talking about the law, do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night. God makes it clear to Joshua twice here that whatever he did, he was not to turn away from his law. It didn't matter what happened. In fact, he was not supposed to let the book of law depart from his mouth. In fact, he was even supposed to meditate in it day and night. Why, why is this command important for a leader? We see uh, back in Deuteronomy chapter 6, uh, this, is, this command is repeated to, or is told to all of Israel. Uh, if you remember, you shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you get up. Why, why is it so important for the Israelites? Why was it so important for the Israelites and for Christians to know God's word, to talk about God's word, to think about God's word? You know, from the, the very beginning, God has made it uh, very clear that he's not going to have dealings with a, a sinful people, a rebellious people, a wicked people. Uh, God is perfect. He is goodness. He, he can't. 
the Israelites were God's chosen people. The uh, receivers of the promise, the carriers of the ark, the carriers of its tabernacle, they, uh, they were supposed to be apart, set apart. They were supposed to be different. They were supposed to be an example to the people around them. And the same is true for us today. We are the proclaimers of God's name. We are God's chosen people. We are the, the temples of his Holy Spirit. We're expected to be different. And to, to be different, to, to have faith in our true leader to lead us, we have to know what he says. We have to know what he expects. We have to know what he thinks. Something that, that we have seen uh, through history and we just continue to see it, is if, that, if you're not constantly reading God's word, if you're not constantly praying to God, if you're not constantly talking to God, if you're not constantly putting God inside of you, there's going to be a hole left there. There's going to be uh, an emptiness left that's going to be filled with something else. And that something else is not going to be what God wants there. We need to, to know God's truth so that we can stand strong in him. And in, and in verse 7, as verse 7 says, we may prosper wherever we go. The world believes that right and wrong is determined by some sort of uh, moral construct. People just live together and therefore they, they know what right and wrong is. And what you see is that good and evil throughout time just constantly changes. And, and the world is okay with that. But uh, what we have to realize as Christians is that's, that's a completely false way of looking at things. Good and evil, righteousness, unrighteousness, good uh, and wickedness is not some sort of fluid thing that continues to change. Righteousness and unrighteousness are, are pillars of truth that have been set down by an almighty creator who created everything. And for us to know what right and wrong is, we have to, to know what he says about it. The God who created. And leaders especially need to know the truth. Because if we don't, then we end up in a situation like in Matthew 15, 14, where you have the blind leading the blind, which, as you recall, ends up with both falling in a ditch. So God tells Joshua how the conquest is going to end. He tells Joshua not to turn away from his law, to keep his, uh, keep his law in his mouth and to meditate on it. And then we move on to the next command that God gives Joshua, which is repeated three times. Be strong and of good courage. For to this people you shall divide an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commands you. And in verse 8, have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Is it, is it easy to be strong and to be courageous in this world and in this life? Now, I can't really, I can't speak for all of you, but I know for me that this is one of the hardest states for, for me to achieve as a Christian and, and God knows this. God knows the, the weaknesses of his creation. He knows the weaknesses of all of us. That's why usually the, the harder commands he repeats a few times. Um, but, and I, you know, I ask myself, why, why do I struggle so much with this? 
Why do I struggle with going out in the world and being strong and being courageous? I think about it, and I sort of realize that I don't think that I'm defining these words as I should be from a, a spiritual standpoint. If you were to define these words, well, you know, what would you think of them? To uh, be able to do something, even though it's scary or a fearful situation, uh, or to have resolve in a situation, no matter how dangerous it is. You know, these are pretty, pretty good definitions from it, but my question is how? Uh, am I just supposed to manufacture these feelings out of myself? Am I, am, am I supposed to be where this strength and courage comes from? The, the Hebrew words that are used here can have a, a few different meanings, as, as most of them can, but I found uh, a couple of definitions that really helped me to make this applicable in my life. Um, the word for strong it means firm, impenetrable, like a stone, courageous, steadfastly minded. Be strong, or sorry, be firm, impenetrable, and steadfastly minded. But on what? Am I supposed to be firm on myself, steadfastly minded on myself? The, the wonderful thing about God's word, though, is it has the answers, starting in uh, looking back at verse 6. Be strong and of good courage, for to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Be firm and steadfastly minded. And it's sort of going back to, to the point of knowledge of a result. Be firm and steadfastly minded that the, in the fact that this land is already yours. The land has already been divided. There's nothing going to keep you from getting this land as long as God is on your side. Let that fact keep you firm. Let that fact keep you impenetrable. Keep your mind steadfast on that knowledge. In verse 7, only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commands you. Be firm on the law. Let the law make you impenetrable. Know what God says so that you can keep your mind steadfast on it and not be swept away by fear and dismay. And in verse 9, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Amen. That is the, that, and that's the crux of it. That's where it all boils down to. What it boiled down to for the Israelites, what it boils down to for us, we have an almighty creator, God, on our side, who has created everything. Who is the all-powerful strength? Let him keep you impenetrable. Be firm in him. Keep your mind steadfast on him. No matter what fear, no matter what dismay, no matter what anything tries to, to turn your head or sweep you away, be firm in God. Be strong and courageous in God. I cannot manufacture strength and courage out of nothing and all myself. I am, I am too imperfect. Uh, I am prone to, to crumble if I stand firm in myself. I am prone to be swept away if I try to stand steadfast on myself. But, but Jesus, on the other hand, who is perfect, him I can be firm in. Our Lord, our God, our Father, him I can be impenetrable with. 
the fact that no matter what happens in this life, all the sin, all the pain, all the death that has clung to me for the entirety of my life until I was saved, the chains of bondage that held me down, now those are gone, I am free, I am a new man, that is something that I can keep steadfastly minded on. That is something that I can be strong in, that I can be courageous in. Now, how does, how does Joshua respond after hearing these, uh, these commands from God, these words from God? Starting in verse 10, Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people, saying, Pass through the camp and command the people, saying, Prepare provisions for yourselves, for within three days you will cross over this Jordan to go in to possess the land which the Lord your God is giving you to possess. Joshua responded with faith, with belief, with trust, with strength, with courage. And I invite all of us to do the same in this life. If, if you are here tonight and you have not been baptized, you don't yet have that assurance yet that we have talked about. You, you don't yet have a hope yet. But you can. If you're, if, you're, if you're in a position where you just think that you're not good enough to be a Christian, let me tell you, that is exactly the place that you need to be in. Because none of us are. We need to come to the one that is perfect and who makes us perfect. And we invite you tonight, if you haven't been baptized, come forward, come to the front row. One of our ministers will, will talk to you. He will confess the name of Christ and you will become a new person. We welcome you to do that as we stand and as we sing.